0: Thanks for joining us on the Father's House podcast, where we are leading people into a growing relationship with Jesus. Want to learn more about us? Check us out online at thefathershouse.com. We'd love to stay connected. Now, let's go to this week's message.
1: Well. You're in for a real treat today. Our dear friend, Pastor Steve Kelly, is with us. Sadly, his wife Sharon couldn't be here today, uh, but she'll be here again some other time. Uh, They pastor the church in Wave, the Wave Church in Virginia Beach, a multi-campus site. Thousands of people on Sunday mornings come. He came to the United States uh, from Sydney, Australia, church there at Hillsong in 1999 to start the Wave. And since then, the church has really grown. He has a real passion to help people live their life well and to um, help people just sign up for heaven and also to develop leaders. About seven years ago, Anita and I got a call from Pastor Rick Godwin, and Rick said, I want you to come to a small uh, group of meeting in, in Nashville with a handful of pastors, and I want you to be there, and also I'd like for you to meet Steve Kelly and so we went we enjoyed that time what a great time as a round table and uh, you know you just meet some people and your heart is just knitted with them and drawn to them and so it's been with pastor steve and his lovely wife sharon we just love her and uh we are blessed how many of you have never heard pastor steve he's been here once on wednesday night you've never heard him okay all right his accent is from alabama so when you hear him so that'll make you feel comfortable all right a, a great friend man we just love him and i know he's going to release a special anointing in the house today about the spirit thank you those of you that are watching online we're so glad that you're here to father's house would you stand to your feet and give a warm welcome to my friend pastor steve kelly thank you
0: hey how you doing there's that Alabama accent right there. You're getting used to it. It is so good to be with you. It is so good to be with your pastors. Uh, I don't know, you know, every now and again you meet somebody, you just go, Man, there's just something like what you talked about, the heart's click. And uh, do you know, even this morning, your pastor, every Sunday, has been texting me every Sunday, I think now for several years, and always sends this very, very encouraging note. Now, I'm a little bit of a pragmatic guy in some way. Sometimes you get on some people's group text and things like that, and you kind of think, you know, that's nice. But when someone every week individually sends you a direct text message that is always something encouraging. And I woke up this morning, and I thought, I wonder if Terry's going to send me a message this morning saying I'm here with him. And I got one. And I just love you guys. You're amazing. Come on, how many love you, pastors? Show some love. My, my wife is uh, in, in grandbaby party. We have our grandchildren's birthday uh, yesterday. And our daughter's birthday as well. So she sends her love. But I'm traveling with a good friend of mine, Jane Shupert, who's one of our pastors. And Jane's will be out there if you are after the service. And I've got a little bit of resource here. And he'll just let you know more about anything. But we've got a great teaching here on the Holy Spirit. Because you guys are in the series. So I thought, well, maybe, you know, I can add um, to what you've already been taught. And then i got a great book here. on. It's called Overdrive. And it's all about the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit puts you into overdrive. And then a book here called The Accent of Leadership. People say to me all the time, man, you know, where are you from? You have an accent. I go, no, I don't have the accent. To me, you've got the accent. But it becomes a great talking point because everybody, as soon as I open my mouth, say, where are you from? And I say, Australia. They say the second question what are you doing here? And then I get to tell them, I'm here to pastor a church. It's an instant instant God conversation. Your accent is an advantage. Do you have the accent of leadership? Do you have the language of heaven? And in case you didn't know, the Australian accent is the accent we'll all speak with in heaven. So I'm just going to get you to practice. Is that okay? Can everybody just say, G'day. Just that's the first word you're going to need to have up there in heaven. Just say, when you see Peter at the pearly gates, G'day! Peter will say, come in. All right, here we go. I I want to talk to you this morning on this subject of the Holy Spirit. I've been preaching and teaching for 40 years. And let me tell you, without a doubt, my favorite subject to be able to preach and talk about is the Holy Spirit. He is the game changer. Jesus, let me tell you, is our Savior. Who can say amen to that? But Jesus said something that I think a lot of Christians fail to understand really what he was saying. He said, it is better for you that I go, because if I go, if I don't go, then I can't send the comforter. And I believe the Holy Spirit is very much in charge of what's happening in the church today. The Bible says Jesus is seated at the right hand of the Father. But Jesus said the Holy Spirit will convict the world of sin, of righteousness, and of judgment. So if you like, the Holy Spirit, in my mind, is the foreman of the church. You show me a church in touch with the Holy Spirit, and I'll show you a church where people are getting saved, people are getting healed, people are flowing in the gifts of the Spirit, and I'll show you a church that's got life in it. You show me a church where they're not unfamiliar with the Holy Spirit, and I will show you a church that is dead. You see, the Holy Spirit is the one that's leading His church today. Who can say amen to that? So let me go to the Old Testament, and I'm going to read to you. The title of my message this morning is Get In Over Your Head. Get in over your head. And I know for some people, maybe you've never even heard their Be a Holy Spirit. And the Bible tells me in Acts, the, the Apostle Paul said, have you received the Holy Spirit since you believed? And they said, we haven't even heard there be a Holy Spirit. Are you hearing me? So this message is wanting to encourage us, no matter where you're at, to begin to move into a deeper flow and connection with the Holy Spirit. Is that good? All right, Ezekiel 47 verse 1. It says here, and I'm going to read from the NIV. It says, The man brought me back to the entrance. We don't know who the man is. A lot of people have different opinions about who that man was. I want to just call him the unnamed guide. Is that okay? Because that's who he is. He's an unnamed guide. The man brought me back to the entrance of the temple, and I saw water. Everybody say water. Water. Say water, not water. Say water. There's no R in water. It's water. W-A-D-A. Water. 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 And it says, and water, that sounds awesome. Um, I just didn't realize how much my Australian accent sounded to what right when I said water. Um, coming out from under the threshold of the temple toward the east, uh, for the temple faced east. And the water, is that better, was coming down from under the south side of the temple, south of the altar. And then he brought me out through the north gate and he led me outside to the outer gate facing east. And the water was trickling. Every say trickling. Trickling. Listen, the Bible doesn't waste words here. The water was trickling from the south side. And as a man, it says, and as the man went eastward with a measuring line in his hand, he measured off a thousand cubits. And then he led me through the water that was ankle deep. Every say ankle deep. So we got trickling. We got ankle deep. And then he measured off another 1,000 cubits, and he led me through the water, and it was knee-deep. Everybody say knee-deep. So we got trickling, we got ankle, we got knee-deep. And then he measured off another 1,000, and he goes, and now it was up to the waist. Everybody say waist. So we got trickling, we got ankle, we got knee, we got waist. And then he measured off another 1,000, and it was a river so that I could swim in it. A river that no one could cross. And he asked me, son of man, do you see this? And then he led me back to the bank of the river. Watch. When I arrived there, he led me back. In other words, to the place where he left the bank. You got it? He led me back. He took me back. And it says here that when I I arrived there, I saw a great number of trees on the side of the river. Then he said to me, this water flows from the eastern region that goes down to Araba, and it goes where it ends, enters into the Dead Sea. And when it empties into the sea, the salty water becomes fresh. Swarms of living creatures will live there wherever the river flows. That's a really good caption right there. And there will be a large number of fish because the water flows from there. Listen, this makes the salt water fresh so the river flows wherever the river flows everything will live what a! this is like one of those old testament freaky stories isn't it it's like this river and you know this man being brought into the river and there's a lot of significance to this story because let me tell you i believe this is actually a prophetic utterance of christ and actually as we read through this it says the river comes out of the temple this is miraculous this is a prophetic if you like of jesus and of the holy spirit listen to what the bible says in psalm 42 do you know god is into water did you know that god uses water amen think about the time when you know naaman was cold, was told to go wash in the river seven times and the bible says and he had leprosy and he goes if you do it you'll be healed think about when jesus spat in a blind man's eye and and he was healed Think about when, think about Moses going through the Red Sea, and how that when they got through the other side of the sea, and Pharaoh came in to pursue them, and God caused the water to drown on them. Okay, God uses water as a weapon. Water baptism is a weapon, dead to your past and alive to your future. Water is an amazing, I'm amazed how many times water, the Bible says, now you are clean for the washing of the water of the wood. I love it when Jesus washed the disciples' feet with water. God uses water. Think about Noah, and God destroyed the whole world with water. Everybody say water. Water. Not water, water, water. Psalm 42 verse 1, as the deer pants for the streams of water. So my soul pants for you, my God. I wonder whether our soul pants for God as the deer pants for water. I wonder this morning in Jeremiah 2, it says, My people have committed two sins. Two sins. Jeremiah, they have forsaken me. Watch this. The spring of living water. My people have committed two sins. Number one, they've forsaken me. Who is he that they have forsaken? The spring of living water. And what's the second thing? They have dug their own cisterns, broken cisterns that can't hold water. Now there's a whole sermon on that thought, things that can't hold water. Things that we try to build our life on that we think it'll hold water. But God says they've forsaken me, the one that is the if you like, the living water. But these people have built their own cisterns. And boy, do we see that today. The world has created its own thought about gender identity, and it doesn't hold water. Come on, somebody. The world has brought up its own cisterns, and it doesn't hold water. Come on, some think about what's happening in our world today. And you see so much confusion and division. And we try to say, we know the answer. We have the, and it's like, it's so polarized. There's right and there's left. And depending on what news station you listen to. And the church is all about bringing healing and unity. And none of that holds water. Come on, somebody, give the Lord a hand. Joel 3, verse 18. In that day, the mountains will drip new wine, and the hills will flow with milk. And in all the ravines of Judah, watch, will run with water. And a fountain will flow out of the Lord's house. And and it says, and will water into the valley of the Acacias. I love this one in Zechariah 14, verse 8. In that day, water will flow out from Jerusalem, half of it to the east, to the Dead Sea, and half to the west, to the Mediterranean Sea, in summer and winter. So here's what I want to show you. Watch this. This is not the river that is mentioned in the book of Revelation. In Revelation 22, it says, that came from heaven. But I do want to say this. This is the river that came from the temple. But God is the source of both of them. And I want you to notice, the Bible's very deliberate. It says, he measured a thousand cubits. What's a thousand cubits? It's about a third of a mile. And Ezekiel went into the waters, watch this, and through the waters. Watch this. He didn't just stand on the bank and look at it. You see, God was taking him to a place where he'd get in over his head. And I want it this morning, take you to a place to encourage you to get in the water. Listen to this. I want you to notice this. This unnamed guy took him to the river, and it wasn't just something to look at or to think about. It was something for him to enter into. And I've come today to say to you, don't just stand at the side of the river and look at it and think about it and behold it. I've come today to say, come on, get in the water. God wants to take you somewhere today. Come on, somebody give God some praise. But I want you to notice something that I think is very important here. It says, notice the progression. It says, from ankles to swimming, from trickling to ankles, to knees, to your waist, to the point where you're swimming, and then you're in over your head. I think it's fascinating that it says there was a measurement, there was a strategy, there was a plan, I'm going to take you somewhere, Ezekiel, somewhere you haven't been before. And I love it because it says it went from ankles to knees and knees to waist and waist to the water was so deep that he had to swim. He was in over his head. It is a powerful picture of progress, watch this, and the depth of our spiritual life. It ought not to be that all we have is a testimony that 20 years ago we got filled with the Holy Spirit and that's the only thing we had no or say about the Holy Spirit. There ought to be a debt to our spiritual life. There ought to be a progress to our spiritual life. Come on, somebody. Somebody say amen. So I want to show you what this looks like just in terms of what I believe God wants us to do. God wants you and God wants me to get in over our head. So the first thing I read here is it was ankle deep. I love that because it speaks about when it's at your ankles, it's all to do with your feet. In other words, it's your walk with God. And your walk matters. And your ability to hear from the Holy Spirit is really important. And the Holy Spirit will speak to you in your everyday life. Your walk, your everyday life. Amen. The Bible says we walk in the flesh, but we walk in the Spirit. Now, that walk in the flesh means simply this. It doesn't mean flesh. We walk in the flesh like we do evil things, like carnal things. That means we walk in the flesh. You got out of bed this morning. That's called walking in the flesh. You brushed your teeth this morning. That's walking. I hope you did. Maybe, you you know, like we go to work and you go to work on time. That's called walking in the flesh. Getting to work on time is walking, paying your bills. That's walking in the flesh. It's doing earth life well. And then the Bible says we war in the spirit. I know plenty of Christians who are so good at warring in the spirit. They cast out devils from 30 feet, but they can't balance their checkbook. And we got to learn how to do both well. We walk in the flesh and we war in the spirit. Many years ago when I was a youth pastor back in Sydney, Australia, I remember one time I was walking out of my house And as I was walking out of my house, I saw a pair of dirty socks. They were mine and were on the floor. And as I walked past them, I looked at them and I noticed them. I went, huh, look at that. They're my socks. And then the Holy Spirit spoke to me as I was walking. He said, go back and pick up your socks. And you say, how do you know that was the Holy Spirit? That's so simple. What would make me think that thought? That is not a thought I'd ever think. It had, now, either that, it was actually Sharon talking to the Holy Spirit. But I remember, I just looked at him and I went, oh, that's ridiculous. I got in my car. I lived up in the Blue Mountains. And I'm driving my car and the Holy Spirit, do you know when the Holy Spirit speaks to you a second time? And he says it like this. I said, go back and pick up your socks. I'm in my car. I've start, I'm driving. And now I'm driving down the mountain. I'm halfway down the mountain. And the Holy Spirit said, I'm going to say this. One more time. Go back and pick up your socks. I'm under such conviction that I turn my car around halfway down a mountain and go back up to the house, walk in the front door, open the door, and Sharon says, did you forget something? I said, yes, I did. She says, what did you forget? I said, I forgot to pick up my socks. She thought revival hit the Kelly household. (laughs) I picked them up. I took them to the dirty clothes basket with the laundry and I put them in there and I walked out and I felt so good because I obeyed the Holy Spirit. A week later, I'm driving through the city of Penrith where I was the youth pastor and I'm praying for our city. God, give me the young people of this city. And God says to me, son, do you see that restaurant over there? And it had a police sign on it just off the main street, like literally from here to the front doors of your church was how far it was from the main street. And he said, I want you to use that restaurant. I want you to get it from the owner and get it to, get him to give it to you for free. And I want you to turn your whole youth ministry every Saturday night and every Wednesday night into an outreach. And I went, brilliant idea, God. There's only one problem. Why would he give it to me for free? And so I remember... I actually kind of just kind of thought, that's a great idea. A week later, one of the elders in the church came up to me and said to me, Steve, I've been praying for you. And I felt like God told me to tell you, you haven't done something that he told you to do. I'm thinking, God, it's only been a week. And so how many know I'm under conviction now? And I said, yeah, there is something. And by the way, people who are genuine intercessors, thank God for you. The weird flaky people stay away. But people who are just genuine, you know, that are pri- I thank God for that person. So then I have the courage to ring the realtor. And I say, hey, I want to I talk to the owner about that building. He goes, no, you talk to me. I'm the realtor. I said, yeah, I want to negotiate special conditions on the contract. I'm too scared to tell him I want it for free. And, and so he says, well, no, you got to talk to me. And I said, well, look, I'm a youth pastor. I want him to give me the building. He says, you don't know who owns this building. It's the wealthiest guy in the city. He cares nothing about God, nothing about church. He's one of the most godless men there is. I said, don't you say no. I want at least him to tell me no. And so he goes, I'm going to give you his phone number, I'm phone number, only so he and I can laugh about you afterwards. And so I ring the owner up. I say, my name's Steve. I'd like to talk to you. Can I come and meet you face to face? I want to negotiate special conditions on the contract. And so he goes, come to my house. I drove up to his house. Oh, you should have seen his house. I'd have lived in the garage. His garage was bigger than the house we were living in. And I remember he opened the front door and he had shared carpet so thick you couldn't even see the furniture. His house was built around a pool. This guy had the latest Mercedes, plural, out there front. And I'm thinking, what am I doing here? And he looks at me, goes, how can I help you? I said, I would like your restaurant for free. I would like it for at least six months. He goes, why would I give you my restaurant for free? I said, you know, God, that is a really good question. Anytime you want to step in and help me out here. I looked at this guy, I said, look, I really don't know. All I know is God told me to do this. And God told me to speak to you. And God told me that I'm going to use this, your building. He goes, but what if someone wants to rent it and I'm going to lose a $1,000 a week rental because I'm committing to you for six months? I said, "I'll I'll do a deal. If someone wants to rent this building, we'll move out in a week's notice, knowing full well, if God wanted this in there, God's not going to get it rented. And he looks at me, he goes, well, why would I do this? And I went, I don't know. I think God will bless you. He goes, really? I said, I'm, I'm reaching for straws, man. I don't know what to tell you. I, I I got God telling elders on me. I'm just trying to be obedient. I don't know what I'm doing here, but I love the young people. And he says, I'll let you have it. And we were down there for six months. But after four weeks, we had about 70 people give their life to Jesus. And then I went back to the owner. I'm feeling bold now. I'm walking in the flesh. And I went to him, I said, hey, I want to to let you know, because of you, 70 more young people are now in church, have given their life to Jesus. He goes, 70 young people? He goes, what kind of church do you run? I said, man, I don't run, it. I'm just the youth pastor, but it's a great church. You ought to come. He goes, I will. He came, gave his life to Christ, his two sons, two daughters, And his wife, and i got to tell you something, I was just marveling at the goodness of God because what I did know, he told me, he was about to go broke on one of his biggest business ventures and his family was in ruins. His wife was going to leave him. His kids hated him. And he said, God, if you're real, speak to me now. And that's when I picked up the phone and rang him. The only reason he let us rent that building is because he just prayed to God. i got to tell you, he's on fire for God. His kids are on fire for God. His son now pastors a church. And God said to me, Steve, he calls me that because that's my name. If you didn't pick up your socks, I never would have told you to rent the building. You see, it's faithfulness in the little things. That leads you to the, can you see the walk? Can you see the depth? Can you see the progression? Come on, somebody. We want God the prop. We want a word that we're anointed of God. We're called to leap tall buildings in a single bound. And we can't even pick up our socks. Just know someone say, he's talking to me, not you. Relaxed. The second thing I see here is knee deep. Everybody say knee deep. Okay, this is, I believe, all to do with your relationship with the Holy Spirit when it comes to prayer. You get on your knees. Come on, somebody. You get on your knees. I believe it talks about intercession. I remember back in Australia, my oldest brother was the most together, mature, steadfast. I mean, look, honestly, I was a crazy, crazy young man. I got saved when I was 17, but I... I mean, you know, people have shot at me. There's been night attempts of murder and stabbings and drugs, alcohol, violence, police, broken out of prison cars, uh, police cars. And I I was just a crazy, crazy young man. But my brother was the opposite of that. My oldest brother was the mature, steadfast, reliable. He he paid cash for his first car, but not just any car, a brand new car. He saved the money up. Not me, man. I'm going to the debt. And I'll buy an old bomb and just drive the fool out of it. But not my brother. He's the mature. He's the reliable one. And I've been talking to my brother. His name was Dennis. And it still is. His name was. is Dennis. And I remember I, I, I that, did, that was not a prophetic utterance. And uh, and so I'm thinking, Dennis, you need to give your life to Jesus. And i never forget Dennis used to say to me, Steve, if anybody needed Jesus, it was you. And I'm not into it. But, you know, I've got to admit, at least there's a good chance you might stay alive now. And I'm thinking, you know, he's got a point. Like, it's not an unfair comment. And, uh, and I'm a, I used to go in my room and I'd be praying for Dennis. And, and I'd go, God, save Dennis, save Dennis. And, and Dennis used to love to go in there and go, are you praying? i go, yeah, I'm praying for you. He goes, you make me sick. And he slammed the door shut. And, I'd, and I used to hate getting caught praying or reading my Bible by my brothers because they used to love to joke me about it. One day, I'm watching football. And the Holy Spirit speaks to me and says, look at Dennis. And we're watching it together. It was my favorite football team versus his favorite football team. And he goes, you don't see him how I see him. I said, what do you mean? He goes, you see him as not needing me. You see him as not needing a savior. He's just as lost as you were. You just look at it in the context of who you are and your crazy life. But he doesn't know me yet. And he's just as lost as you were before you didn't know me. And he's still going to go to hell. And by the way, there's some stuff that doesn't hold water. There's a whole lot of people in the church that they don't even believe hell's real. You think you know more than God? Surely God wouldn't really send people to hell. No, God doesn't send them to hell. We choose not to go to heaven. Doesn't hold water. There's a whole message. I just read that and went, man, that's a good thought right there. I'm going to start a whole new series on what doesn't hold water. But I remember looking at Dennis, and I said, Oh, God, I always thought, yeah, I needed you, but he's just as lost as I am. And the Holy Spirit said, Go down and pray for him now. And I said, But Holy Spirit, it's a great football game. And he says, Now. So I went down the backyard into the shed, and I opened the shed, and I knelt on the great Australian altar. Do you know what that is? The barbecue. And I knelt on the barbecue on my knees. And the Bible says in Romans that the Holy Spirit prays through us with moanings and groanings, with words that cannot be uttered. And I began to see Dennis, my brother, for the first time, how God saw him. And I began to pray. And, oh, God, I pray for Dennis. Oh, God, I pray for Dennis. Lord, I'm praying for Dennis. God, I pray for Dennis. Dennis. Dennis, and I start crying out his name, and I'm crying before God, and I forgot where I was, and I'm way down in the backyard, but I was praying so loud that Dennis heard me yelling his name, thought his little brother had ripped his foot off on the sh- on the lawnmower in the shed. He comes running down, and I'm kneeling on the altar. Tears are coming out my eyes. I'm going, Dennis, Dennis, and he opens the door and goes, what? And I can imagine the Holy Spirit just laughing because he did that to me. He prayed a prayer through me, an intercessory prayer. As the Bible says, we don't know how to pray as we should, but the Holy Spirit will pray the perfect will of God with moanings and groanings with words that can't be uttered. He looked at me, he goes, were you praying for me? I said, I was. He goes, you make me sick. And he slams the shed door shut. I didn't know this, but my brother Dennis had a severe cocaine addiction. And all his friends were dying. And Dennis began to get the shakes as he was trying to get his life back under control and realized he had no control of his life. He went into heroin. And his friends that were still alive had so much heroin injected into their body that all the veins where you'd normally inject had collapsed. And the only place left to inject it was in their eyeballs. And my brother Dennis went, I will not allow myself to go down that road. And he decided he'd kill himself. And he drove his car that he paid cash for. The mature, the steadfast, the reliable looked good. And he started driving his car 100 miles an hour for a tree thinking, I'll just kill myself. And then all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit reminded him, "Dennis." And the Holy Spirit reminded him of his brother kneeling on a barbecue. Come on. I want to talk to you about getting in over your head. I want to talk to you about your walk with God. I want to talk to you about where you pray and how you pray and allow you to allow the Holy Spirit to pray prayers through you. He rang my father up. He said, I was just about to kill myself, but I remember Steve praying for me. I'm going to give my life to God and see what that does. Come on, somebody. I watch the progression? Not just the knees. It's not just the feet. But now it's your waist. Well, what happens at your waist? Can I just not be crass and just say that's a place where there ought to be purity? Can anybody say amen? amen. There ought to be holiness in our loins. We ought not to give ourselves to other people. For young people, we ought to save sex to a marriage. For those that are married, faithful to our spouse. Can anybody say Amen. amen there ought to be purity. Can I put it this way? There also ought to be integrity in terms of what we will only reproduce after ourselves. You will only reproduce who you are. I remember one time I was was, uh, um, going into an aquatic center and it was me, my wife, and my three kids. And I was with this other couple, married couple, who I knew them very well, and they had three children. And we were going into the aquatic center and and it said it was like $8 for an adult and $3 for anyone under the age of 12. Well, I knew how old my kids were, and I had one child under the age of 12, but I had two children over the age of 12. So when I went into this aquatic center, I said, four adults, one child, please. And they charged me, and I went in. Now, the person I was with, I knew how old her children were. And she said, two adults, three kids. And I went, huh, that's interesting. Her kids are all over 12. And so we go in, and and this friend of mine looks at me and goes, aren't you dumb? I was going to say nothing to her, but now she's telling me I'm dumb. And I said, why? She goes, you could have actually saved yourself $9 because you would have been $3 each per child. And I said, oh, so that's the price of your integrity. You're willing to sell the truth for $9. Come on, somebody. There ought to be some integrity when we're... I remember a time there was a business guy and he said to me, Steve, you don't understand if I don't cut corners, if I don't, if I don't you know, he was a, uh, uh, what do you call it, a, um, an appliance repairman that worked for a big company. And he said, everybody that goes out and does service repairs always exaggerates what's really wrong. And that's how the company makes more money. That's how we make more money. He goes, I cannot be successful unless I'm willing to lie. And I said, oh, okay, I didn't realize the Bible says there are exceptions to integrity. There ought to be a purity about us because we will only reproduce after ourselves. Come on, somebody. And I said, no, listen, it did ever occur to you God could bless you, that you could be that man that actually because of your integrity, that that will be the very thing that would promote you. You don't act like the world. We don't speak like the world. And we want to make sure that we're actually reproducing some integrity and some purity in the church, can somebody say, Hey, just turn to the person next to you and say, relax, he's talking to you, not me. And here's the last one, my time's up. Listen to this one. So we understand that we go from the trickling, which is getting your toe in the water, to ankle deep, to knee deep, to waist deep. But now here's the last one. You got to get in over your head. The Bible says that I was in it and I was swimming in it, and then I couldn't make it to the other side. Can I say this? Getting in over your head is this. You've got to understand the, that the Lordship of Christ, He is the head. Can you say amen? And you come under the Lordship of Jesus Christ. But not only that, listen to this. I want to say this. you got to get in your own head, not just under the covering of Christ, but the local church is your covering. Can anybody say amen? And if you want a genuine, authentic, consistent, sane, continual relationship with the Holy Spirit, you've got to see the value of local church. You've got to see the value of covering. You've got to see the value of getting your head under the lordship of Jesus Christ. I've come today to say, come on, get in over your head. Submission is never proven in agreement. If you agree, there's nothing to submit to. Come on, somebody. It's actually only ever proven when you disagree, but you understand when it comes to the Word of God, I want to tell you the Word of God is our true north. do not matter what you think, that won't hold water. It's the Word of God, and what the Word of God says is the truth. Can you say amen? Now. I want to say this, and I say this to our church, when it comes to, if I ever ask the church or tell the church to do something that's unscriptural, run. If I ever ask or tell the church to do something that's immoral, run. If I ever say anything that's illegal, run. Outside of that, come on, let's be the church. Let's go this direction. Amen. And we live in a day where people say, should we wear masks? Shouldn't we mow us? Should we have vaccines? Shouldn't we get vaccine?" I'm not even answering that. That's your pastor's job. <laughs> and what a job it is. I just want to say, what does God's word say? People say to me, Steve, what do you think about this? Who cares what I think? What does the Bible say? Amen. And I want to tell you, the church would be so much more effective in changing our environment if we just learn to get in over ahead, head, to get our heads in the river of God, under the word of God, under godly leadership. Because look what happens, and my time is up. Look what happened when he brought him back. There was maturity. There was trees. In other words, when we learn to get in over ahead, head, our environment gets healed. The city is blessed. When we, the people of God, learn how to swim. By the way, look at this. Not just float. Floating is survival. we got to learn how to swim in the rivers of God. Do you receive the word? Come on, somebody. Can I pray for you? Did that message speak to anybody? It's, it's a bit of a teaching word. It's a bit of a teaching, preaching kind of word. But I hopefully, I'm praying it's a word that spoke to you. I'm praying that somewhere, somehow in that, the Holy Spirit may have challenged you about your integrity, about your purity. Maybe about picking up your socks. Maybe about learning how to have a prayer life where the Holy Spirit can pray through you. Maybe just about your walk with God. I love this teaching in Ezekiel because it speaks to me about how we're to live today. And ultimately, it's all to get closer to Jesus. Can you say Amen. Can I pray for you today? If that message spoke to you all over this building, just close your eyes just for a moment. I'm talking to Christians right now. That message spoke to you. You said, Steve, I felt like God really did speak to me through that word. He challenged me in some area of my life. I just want you to lift your hand. I want to pray for you this morning that God would not only speak to you about it, but you'd actually walk this out. Father, I thank you in the name of Jesus for every hand that's raised. Keep them raised. And Father, I'm asking today that you help each and every person who's raised their hand today. To, Father, not just be a hearer of the word, to be a doer of the word. That, Lord, today they will take that word, they'll write it down, what it is that you said to them, and they will plan what it is they're going to do to see to it that that becomes something they're obedient to. Father, I thank you in the name of Jesus, and everybody said, Amen. Well, I've come down to Florida to be with my friends, Terry and Anita, and what great friends they are. The only thing I'm just disappointed about is we didn't have time to go ride motorcycles. It is always the will of God to ride a Harley Davidson. Did you know the word Harley Davidson is in the Bible? If you look up when, you know, Hallelujah Davidson. I'm just saying it's Bible. I'm just saying it's it's just Bible. If you don't have a Harley Davidson, you're out of the will of God. If you got one of those Japanese bikes, just go out there in the parking lot. Look underneath. There's rice underneath the bike. People say, "Yeah, but what about the Harley Davidsons?" Yeah, that's oil. That's what you're supposed to leak. The BMWs, you go out there. You got a BMW? Go out to you out there. There's sauerkraut under you. I literally do that on Sundays. I go out into our parking lot and throw rice under. All the crotch rockets. Hey, your bike's leaking. Can I pray for today if you don't know Jesus? See, this whole message started with this is all prophetic about what's coming out of the temple. And it's a prophetic utterance about Jesus and of the Holy Spirit. I want to pray for you today if you don't know Jesus. Hey, look at me. Maybe you once prayed a prayer. For those who are watching online as well, stay with me now. Stay focused. Put down your coffee. This is an important moment. Do you know Jesus? Are you a Christian? Maybe you once prayed a prayer, but you know today you're not living for God like you once were. Man, I'd love to pray for you. I'd love to pray for you today that Jesus would make himself real to you. I'd love to pray for you today that you would make a decision to make your peace with God. Not do you believe in God. The devil believes in God. Let me know he's not going to heaven. Amen. Not, Not do you go to church. I mean, going to church is good. You ought to be in church. Everybody online. I do want to say this. Going to church does not make you a Christian. It'll help you stay one. Going to Taco Bell does not make you a taco. It's having a personal relationship with Jesus. And I want to finish my part to just pray for you this morning. And I'm going to hand it back to you, Pastor. If you say, Steve, I don't know Jesus as you speak of. Steve, I once prayed a prayer, but I'm not living for God as I once was. Maybe you and you were swimming in this river, but you've got out of the river. And I want to say to you today, come on, get back in over your head. Can I pray for you today? All over this building, let's close our eyes. And friend, if I'm talking to you and you say, Steve, pray for me. Steve, I want to give my life to Jesus. I want to come back to God. I'm going to ask you to do one simple thing. Would you just raise your hand right now, high enough and long enough for me to see it? Just put it up. God bless you. 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 Who else will lift your hand? God bless you. Anybody else? There's two hands there. There's two hands there. My last call, if you haven't lifted your hand, but you know you should, lift it up right now. There's probably about 10, 10, 12 people I see that have lifted their hands. Okay, you can put your hands down. Everybody, let's pray this prayer out loud. Say, Lord Jesus... I ask you today to come into my life to make yourself real to me. I receive you now. I receive forgiveness of sins. I receive, I receive newness of life. I am now a Christian in Jesus' name, amen. Amen, come on, give the Lord a hand. I'm gonna hand it back to Pastor Terry. It's our honor to play a small part in all that God is doing in your life. We would love to continue with you on that journey. To find out what your next steps might be, visit thefathershouse.com slash next. Join us next week as we continue to love God, help people, and build the kingdom.